Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. We are still trying to reach our next goal of 250 YouTube subscribers. So please hit subscribe if you haven't already and help us get there. If you leave us a comment, we always respond. So let us know what you think. We also have our new Friday breakfast mini show for audio listeners only, uh, where we cover the midweek news and deliver your TV guide for the weekend ahead. At 15 minutes, it is the perfect um, for your morning commute. So why not give it a go? You. Don't forget you can listen to the full version of this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple or Spotify. If you drop us a review, it really helps us out. We also have our free Substack, which you can go to every week and you get any content that we drop emailed directly to your inbox. It's completely for free. All you need to do is drop your email address in and you're ready to go. Uh, there's also links to that and our Twitter page in the description boxes below, both on audio and on YouTube. Uh, and we share clips, news and stats from games all over the world. So if you like the sound of that, please give us a go. Anyway, into the show this week, Endermate. So what is your moment of the week? I cheated this week and picked two moments. Uh, the one, the first one was quite brief. I was out grabbing a coffee uh, during my lunch hour at work. Um, and my workplace happens to be quite near to the RDS where Leinster play their home games and the Aviva Stadium. And while I was in my coffee shop, I spotted a Hollywood Bets jacket from behind. Um, so I knew that, obviously, uh, Lens were at home to the Sharks on the Saturday. So this is a Friday, obviously. So, um, yeah, spotted them, spotted basically the entire coaching staff sitting outside my local cafe. Uh, shout out to the Magpie. And, yeah, I just went up to them and wished them a good luck. I got a very kind of delayed cheers. <laughs> Um, but it was still pretty cool uh, to see them all. Unfortunately, didn't get to see any of the players. Um, but I guess my good luck didn't uh, work out for them, did it? Sorry. Uh, and then, look, the, the biggest moment of the week, actually, it only happened. I only saw the clips today after work was just seeing the Iglesias walking into the airport um, and seeing those massive crowds uh, in South Africa cheering them on. It just reminds you of, of how much it means to uh, South Africa that they won it. And for me, that, that that probably topped it off for me. Um, you can say what you like about, well, I know we'll get into about their style of play and everything, but I can't help but love the Springboks and everything they stand for, where their players come from, what they're playing for. Just brilliant. What about yourself, mate? Yeah, so my my moment is a self-deprecating moment of the week. So uh, Sports Social is part of this podcast network that we are a member of. Um they messaged me uh, well they messaged us on on twitter in the dms and said you know good great stuff with what's going on so far um back and forth about a couple of bits of content etc and i said oh, it's it's the final this week do you want me to do your video for predictions and the guy wrote back and said only if your predictions are going to be better than they were for the quarterfinals <laughs> so so Brutal. we've got the, the Twitter admin of the of the podcasting network people completely mugging me off for my rugby takes. I was like, bloody hell, man. I'm trying to I'm just trying to create a bit of content over here. You know, just there's no need for that. 
And anyway, I gave him my final prediction, and I was bloody wrong as well. So he he had the last laugh. Bastard. Anyway, we were both wrong on that one. Yeah, but you know, thanks to the uh, thanks to the good people at Sports Social for supporting us and uh, sharing the clips. <laughs> and moving on to the, I suppose what maybe the biggest game <laughs> of the weekend. I think it's fair I'll to say the, the World Cup final. Um, what a cracking game, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. I don't know. This, I think, yeah, we were both wrong in terms of our predictions, but it was such a tight one. And yeah, final score of 12-11, I think pretty much, yeah, sums it up for me. Uh, what are your thoughts, you Like, you think it was a good game? Um, thoughts in the final, the spectacle uh, as a whole? Yeah, I thought it was... It, it, it wasn't quite... A lot of people said it about how intense and how um, high skilled and things. I didn't think it quite, for me, hit the heights of the quarterfinals, those two quarterfinals that we saw that, for me, are the two best matches I've ever watched. Um, but it was there in terms of intensity. It was there in terms of you could sense the nervousness from the players. I was watching as a, a true neutral because um, I, I, I love the Springboks. I love the Springboks players and and all the emotion behind them but I had also predicted the All Blacks to win so I did have a bit of skin in the game but um, it kind of balanced out so I wasn't like I wasn't tense watching it I was watching it as a pure like just enjoying it as a spectacle whereas the quarterfinals I was a bit more tense Um, but yeah it was it was uh, such a obviously you know I was about to say it's a high stakes game it's World Cup final of course it was a high stakes game but it was the the way that the two teams cancelled each other out, and the way that it was they tried to cut down on the errors so much, and it was pro- it was like a proper final. You know, the finals are very rarely like amazing games. Finals are normally edgy and cagey and things, and it was all of those things. Um, and I, it was it was so close. I I don't think if one of those two last kicks from the All Blacks had gone over. I don't think anyone's saying that it was an unfair result. Um, but then everyone's so happy for uh, the Springboks. Well, I say everyone's so happy. So the the reaction to it is this kind of really tired narrative that has come out from a few places. It started in New Zealand. It's now seeped a bit into the Irish um, mainstream as media as well. So I'll get your thoughts on it, mate. Is there a wrong way to win a World Cup? I think you described it quite well. Like it's 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 tiring that this complaint about how they play, um, and it's it's such a lazy way of viewing how the Springboks play. Like how would anybody define it? Like that, like the amount of intricacies, the amount of thought process behind everything they do. Like there's so much more there. And thus, like you did a brilliant tweet recently about like the size of the the bomb squad and how they're allegedly all these enormous, you know, men, which they're not. And like once you actually know a bit about rugby and you look into these things, you realize there's so much more than just brute physicality and kicking the ball, uh, kicking the letter off the ball. Like there's so much more to it than that. And I think it's it's just lazy journalism. I think it's just lazy analysis. Um, like. I think any neutral, and I know you and I and all the rugby noses out there, like we all love watching the Springboks play, um, especially when you when you read into their backgrounds and you watch the documentaries on, on on what they're playing for, where they come from. Like it's just to me, and they're and they're such a good group of guys. Um, I just I just absolutely love watching them. But 
yeah, going back to your point, like it, 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 there is this debate there, and it's not going anywhere. Um, like it's, you know, it would there, there, a lot was said about Ireland under Joe Schmidt that we are quite boring and everything, but there is a limited amount of space uh, on the rugby pitch, and there are different ways to play the game. And if we were all playing the, if all teams were playing the exact same way, it'd be incredibly boring, I think, to watch. We're never going to have this. Like if you don't want to see a set piece, and if you don't want to see tactical kicking. Um, to the extent that you do in Union, just go watch League. Like, that means rugby isn't for you. If you don't want to watch a scrum, if you don't want to learn about the scrum, if you're too lazy to understand why a decision maybe didn't go your team's way, just watch Rugby League. Like, well, I don't know what you're watching Union for. We're not going to change it. We're not going to get rid of the scrum. It's there to stay. Um, And I think it's just the Springboks playing to their strengths. It's, it's yeah, d- doing what they do best. Um, And, like, they've, like, to say that they've, like, it's not, I don't know, like, it's not a, a boring game plan to me. Um. That they play uh, like they have some of the most exciting backs in the world, and they actually get to touch the ball. Um, like another, like we all know that England play a, a re- like for me, it's that argument is definitely more valid to to a team like England who have a crazily high uh, playing pool of players. Yet, yet they play the most dull brand, um, of rugby. But they are at the very early stages of their development. But like their backs don't touch their ball, like the, the ball. Sorry, the their back, like they barely throw any passes. When you look at the stats for the Springboks, you know that their wingers always get involved. Um, they do throw passes. They, it's just. Yeah, I think it's just it's just I'm getting so tired of it. Um, and I used to before I maybe started analysing rugby a bit more and and getting as into it as I did. I used to, I used yeah, I, I wasn't a massive fan of their game plan. But now that I know um, more about the game and understand it and and how kicking can make a game exciting, I, I'm I I love the way they play and I think we should embrace it. Um. And yeah, it's just it's 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 so lazy. Like just just like you you put out a brilliant tweet today talking about the amount of kicks. Like when you say to kick more like the ball more than any other team in the world, like we all noticed. Yet everyone say, oh, they played the best brand. It's nonsense. Um, I might leave it there. Yeah, I mean, but what 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 do you think about it? Like it's it's a lazy, isn't it? Like it is lazy. It's it's not Winslow. I mean, it's so stupid. Like how can you say a team that's got um, Chesney Colby? Chesney Colby and Curtly Aronson on the wings is a boring team. Like, listen to yourself. Mm. Like, have you seen Damien Villains to play? Did you see that moment in the quarterfinal where he call, calls for the mark and then opts for a scrum off it? I didn't spot the boring moment in that. And like the, the scrums as well. I, you could the scrums in this game were a sight to behold in this in this final. The 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 battle of it and seeing them. Um, uh, Harry Jones. Um, the I want to say he's. Australian. He works for the Raw, but he, he, I always see him in the spring box top. So I don't know where his allegiance is quite uh, lie. I do believe he is Australian. Um, he put. He was at the. He was at the game and he was down pitch side and he filmed one of the scrums pitch side and just the the battle, the intensity of that battle. I think Wilcard, to be fair, of all people, went on the um, the uh the good the bad australian version with um drew mitchell and and um matt gitter and that i'm saying how can you find the best part of one ton's worth of men in either side smashing into each other as hard as they can where where's the boring part on that and yeah i think it you know what you never hear whenever you hear this narrative about um win, winning in the wrong way it always comes from the people who lost you know, like <laughs> the look at the T. If you are a Kiwi fan and you're saying, "Oh, the Springboks won in the wrong way," well, you lost in the right way then, 
So why are you annoyed? Because you've got what you wanted, haven't you? You wanted your team to play the, the right way regardless of the result, and that's what's happened. You know, it's like the whole... Oh, I pick on them too much. It's the whole Scotland thing. They they lose playing the right way. Cool. I, I'll, I'll take my winner's medals, thanks. Which I, I think for me, uh, yeah, like the final was always going to be tight. Like, but it was still, a, I think it was still a brilliant atmosphere. Um, the adversity was insane. Like, and Bongi going off after a couple of minutes with a nasty hit by uh, Frizzell in that clear out. And that's when I actually thought, I was like, this is where Razzie's going to be tested here. Was this the wrong call? Because I definitely thought the 7 1 was the wrong call against Ireland. Um, but he proved us all wrong again. And um, they, they, they pulled it off. And uh, yeah, I'll say it again. This we need to start a penny jar for this. Red cards don't ruin games, and yet I I definitely felt for Kane. It was a red card all day. Um, but I definitely felt for the guy, especially in that that interview after, especially with with that narrative around him. You know, I think he's a fantastic player, but there there's a massive cohort of, of rugby fans who think he he shouldn't be captain, let alone even starting for the All Blacks. Um, so it's it's yeah, I'd say I hope he doesn't get. Any nasty stuff on online, uh, which I'm sure he will, unfortunately, if you look at the stuff but that, that that Barron's got, which is just horrific. But look, we'll focus on the positives in this pod, won't we? Um, yeah. Any other major talking points for, from the game from yourself or from the World Cup as a whole? Um, are South Africa yeah. the best team ever, this this crop of players? That's the debate at the moment, isn't it? Is uh, is this generation of the Springboks the the second team to go back to back but they had a Lions Tour victory in the middle of it does that make them the greatest and for me I I love the Springboks and I love this set of players particularly and like Sia Khaleesi like how have you not loved that man but for me the 2015 All Blacks the gap between that team and the rest is a kind of gap that I'm not sure we'll ever see again in the sport I mean just listen to this team sheet. I've got it up in front of me for the for the 2015 final for the All Blacks. Just listen to this team. So you've got Joe Meady, Dane Coles, Owen Franks. You could maybe say that there's an argument that the current Springboks front row get a couple in there. I certainly think Kitsoff and Ox and Shea have been phenomenal for the last 12 months, both of them. Um, Kitsoff's URC stats are unbelievable. But if you're talking Brody Retallick, Sam Whitelock, Jerome Kano, Richie McCaw, Kieran Reid... Like these names trip off the tongue. These are like all time greats. And then you've got Aaron Smith, Dan Carter. As much as we love, we all love Fafta Clerk and Andre Pollard. Are they Aaron Smith and Dan Carter? Like, you know, and then behind that, Mar Nonu, like Damien Delende has been phenomenal this World Cup. Is he Mar Nonu? That, that's, a, that's a debate to be had. Ben Smith at fullback. You had prime um, Julian Severe on the wing. Uh, for me, the 2015 All Blacks still hold the crown just because I, I read that list of individual players and it is like each one of them is a contender for all-time greatest in their position. And I'm not sure you can say that about the box because I, I'm not sure you can say Jesse Creel, another one, absolutely phenomenal. Is he the greatest 13 in his position? And like this All Blacks team had like Sonny Bill Williams and Bonin Barrett on the bench. Like, that that's that's do. how that's how that's how good that team is. What, what about you, mate? What which what team do you put top? I don't know. Like I don't 
particularly enjoy these comparisons. I think it's so I know a lot of people, especially on Twitter, have gotten really into it. I they were both absolutely phenomenal teams. The thankfully the Springboks still are. Now we know a lot of them are, are getting um quite old. Um, but they still have a massive crop of young players coming through there. Um, so I don't think we're going to see a massive um, change in terms of performance going forward from them. But yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't want to pick a side. I think, yeah, that all back side were absolutely phenomenal. Like you name in those players, like was there a better team? I don't know. But then, yeah, to go back to back for the Springboks under all that adversity, uh, the playing against the teams that did like, Losing to Ireland, but of course beating Scotland early on and, and getting through the, the home nation uh, and scoring loads of tries and producing probably one of the best games we've seen in I don't know how long. And um, to do it that way and then obviously beat the All Blacks in the final, I think it's just so impressive. Um, especially after winning it last time and then with COVID and everything that they had to go through. Um, yeah, I can't pick a side, but just both two phenomenal sides. I'll put it that way. Out. You've let me down so much. I know. <laughs> I just want to talk anyway. about the URC, to be honest. That's what I want exactly. to get on. Okay. Let's get to the URC then. I'm not surprised that you want to talk about it. Right. So let's talk about... Let's start with the Irish. We started with the Welsh last week. Let's start with the Irish this week. Um, how do we think that the Irish provinces got on? And the match that I caught most of was Munster against Benetton over in Treviso, which ended in a 13-0 draw. Yeah, and I think Munster were lucky to get that. I think they'd be absolutely delighted and um, with that result. It's no surprise for any URC fans that Benetton almost won that game. Again, we said it last week, I'll say it again this week. It's brilliant for the league that Benetton are so competitive. Um it was great to see Malachi Fakatoa playing against his old side. Like some of the team some of the players that Benetton have are just incredible. Um I think it's for Munster, it's probably a game they'll want to forget. Unfortunately, it looks like Carberry's picked up a bit of a wrist injury. Hopefully, that's not too serious. I don't think they're sure yet. Um, so it could be nothing. It might only be a few weeks. could be a week. And um, So hopefully, he comes through because he's been in good form. Um, and we're all, I think, shouting for him, um, especially after the end he had to, to last season. Leinster... They kind of got back to the Leinster, you know, the business as usual. They ended, they would have, that would have been a three game losing streak for Leinster in the URC. So I don't think that was ever going to happen. Um, this game last year against the Sharks was a crack one. I don't think this one lived quite up to it. And obviously they were both missing a lot of, uh, a lot of players. It wasn't um, as comfortable as maybe the scoreline suggests, though, from what I watched of it. I thought the Sharks gave them a real test. Yeah, and the Sharks have some absolute, like even that shark side, I know it's not anything near the first step, but they have some absolute ballers of players. Like They have a great squad, and they really do. Um, I love Werner Koch on the wing. He's one of my favourite wingers. He's just the most competitive, long-haired man uh, playing the game at present. Um, Every time he gets tackled, it looks like he's had a head contact just because his hair goes whoosh forwards. And you think, oh, no. It's like, and I think yeah. I remember a referee in a game said to him once, like, Whatever you do, I always see you because of the hair. <laughs> and I think he's one of those players as well who will make a tackle or make a really big hit and he gets straight back up and he's there and competing for the ball without fail every time or just caught, you know, being a nuisance in the in a ruck. Um, I just yeah, love watching him play. But yeah, Leinster back to winning ways. Um, you know, just touching on the South African teams today, it's been a pretty poor start for them. 
Um, like I know it's only been two rounds, um, but of, of course the massive caveat there is the Stormers, who have been in flying form. Um, but hopefully, uh, we'll see an improvement. And I think we we know we will once they get some of their um the, their players back. And um, but back to the Irish sides, Ulster. Yeah, they they got the job done. Um, another win, but they picked up a good few injuries. And uh, it was their first game on their new synthetic pitch. Um. Obviously, there's been a lot of controversy around that. So they are playing a more exciting brand of rugby. They are embracing the the, the style of rugby that you can play on those fast tracks. Um, but yeah, they did pick up some injuries and they have a massive game. I think one of the games of the weekend, uh, this coming weekend, is definitely going to be Connacht, who I'm just going to touch on now. So Connacht are playing um, at home to Ulster. And I think it's a late enough kickoff on the weekend. I think it'll be 7.35 or 7.45 on Saturday. Um, but Jack Connacht, again, had a brilliant win. I think it was the game of the weekend for me. I don't know if you caught much of it. You find the score of 34-26. Yeah, and Glasgow actually outscored Connacht uh, try-wise. They were 4-3, they were to three, so Connacht didn't actually get that that bonus point. Um, but there have been a few, you know, rumours of, you know, Connacht, they're, they're building. I think they've started the season really well. I mentioned JJ Hanran last week. He played really well again this week. Um, he might have picked up a knee injury, but they don't take it serious, which is brilliant. Um, but also, if you think back to when Connacht won the Pro 12, you know, that, that season, it was immediately after World Cup. And they had such a strong start um, because so many players, so many teams were missing their, their World Cup um, contingent. So, you know, you never know. It's 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 given me those kind of flashbacks. It's been a really good start. Um, you know, like Andy Friend has left and he's moved on. So they're under a new uh, coaching ticket and they, they seem to be doing really well. And I just have to shout out on some players. Um, Joe Joyce, again, was absolutely superb in, in the centre. Um, or sorry, in the second row. He's been a brilliant find for them. Cole Ford, again, young player in the early 20s, absolutely smashing it. Uh, he had the most carries in round two um, at 32. Um, Tom Farrell again in the centre alongside him was absolutely brilliant um, and yeah I think they're just, just building really well and again their set pace has been really strong and on some really good news on the front as well Bundy, Aki and Finley Bealham have both signed two year um, extensions to stay with Connacht uh, Aki is on a centre uh, contract um, and Bealham will be sticking to a Connacht contract but great to see those uh, World Cup players um, yeah, stick so to Connacht and commit their future. There's speculation about maybe Bundy might hang up his boots after the World Cup as well. So that's that's a nice, it's nice that we're getting gets to see a bit more of him. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, he's going to have to fight his way into the team. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know he won't, obviously. But look, in all seriousness, look, Cahill Ford and Tom Farrell are playing absolutely superb rugby. Um, so yeah, it's really exciting. I'm really excited for Connacht this season. I really think they could do a job. Um, against Ulster this weekend. So uh, really looking forward to that. Now, I don't want to go on too much about the Irish provinces. Did you catch many of the other games? I, I saw that, you know, Edinburgh had a very close game. The Lions are very good away from home. They were the same last season. They just never, they never go away, do they? No, they never. I caught a little bit of this. It seemed quite tense. It seemed quite tight. It seems to be a decent crowd up in Edinburgh. And mm-hmm. um, they, they seem to be, really made to fight for this win you know the Lions have a bit of a reputation as well obviously they're the least competitive of the South African sides but that still means that they're firmly mid-table um, so yeah I didn't manage to catch too, catch too much of the game but Edinburgh really had to be good value for their win and as you say Lions just never go away yeah 
Um, so that was great to see. And overall, like, what what are your thoughts on the on the leagues so far? I know it's only been two rounds, but have you been impressed? Have they picked up from last season? The league um, as a whole. Does that mean I need to talk about the Welsh regions? Met the league as a whole now. Yeah, look, it's going to be, but we all knew it was going to be a, you know, a, a tough one for them. But yeah, give us give us your roundup for the weekend. Um, Osprey Zebra was a, it was a good game. Osprey Zebra was uh, well worth a watch. You know, there was a bit of reaction on Twitter after the game of like, oh, you know, Ospreys can barely scrape a win against Zebra these days. And Zebra were really good. It was such a watchable game, and Zebra really took it to the Osprey scored a couple of really nice tries. They got some really tidy players. They're mostly a young squad, as we know. That's the model that Zebra like to pursue. But um, some really great tries. A couple of the first two tries for the Ospreys, you had Justin Tipperick, who was absolutely everywhere. <laughs> he, he was man of the match by a long way. Um, gets the ball in his own 22, like, Burns the winger down the um, touchline and then it's a few offloads inside, outside, and then it's a nice score. And then Matt Prothero, who's a player that I've said some things about in the past, um, fair play to him individually, takes up the ball from a loose kick and just straight through the middle of Zebra. Great second try. Um, Matt Prothero uh, scored a great individual effort, ran straight through the middle of the Zebra defence. Uh, a little bit of finger wagging at the defender as he went across the line, which has caught, caught a bit of flack for. Um, I personally don't get wound up about that as much as other people, but other people don't like it, so I'll I'll, I'll, I'll keep quiet on that. Um, but yeah, great game, very watchable, great advert for the league. Only slight downside is there was only three thousand in the stadium to watch it, mm-hmm. and obviously Osprey Stadium is the Swansea City Stadium. And that has a capacity of well over 20,000. So it's not a good optics. And the Ospreys are playing their London game this weekend, um, which, you know, people are pretty much resigned to the fact that that is going to be quite possibly the Ospreys' biggest gate of the season is going to be the the London game. So, you know, it's not great vibes in Welsh rugby at the moment. And that's before I've even talked about the other games. So um, there was a derby between... Dragons and Cardiff. Uh, Dragons haven't won against Cardiff in something like 17 consecutive games. Something crazy like that. It was not a high quality game. It was one try from Mason Grady, who latched onto a bit of loose play. Mason Grady, athletically, is is terrifying. He is the tallest and the heaviest centre that I was able to find the stats for at the World Cup. Like, ridiculous. Um, but he he still needs to develop as a 13. He's still not quite got all of the the defensive capabilities and all of the game reading that a 13 needs. But he got that try. Um, can win it as well. The Wales under 20s fullback um, uh, had a really good performance. Got picked up man of the match. It was like he had a, a magnet in his hands attracting the ball to him. He just was completely unflustered. Nothing the Dragons can do. Could test him in any way. And Thea Cabango as well. On the wing, the young winger that Cardiff had looked really good. The scrum, not so much. And that's a bit of a worry because Corey Jomachowski and Kieran Azarasi are likely to be involved it for Wales moving forward. And maybe it's more to do with the fact that Cardiff are really struggling struggling for proper out-and-out second rows at the moment. This may be leading to their scrums not being so strong. 
but from a dragon's point of view it's just like i said last week it's so dragonsy and now they're they're Supporters are worried because they've got Munster away next. And with the URC these days, there are no easy games. There are no yeah. like there are no gimmies in terms of wins anymore. And Dragon supporters are thinking, when are we when are we gonna win a game? It's probably when they're gonna play the Scarlets. So the Scarlets, obviously my team, um, got battered sixty-three points put on us last week. 52 points for us this week against the Stormers. I did the Scarlet's pod yesterday. Link in the description. Link in pop out banner, blah, blah, blah. We were absolutely awful. We Scarlet's have started the season absolutely shockingly badly. Now, the, the mitigation that I'm willing to give them is it's basically a brand new team with reasonably new coaches. So our average age has dropped in our starting 15 from 28 to 25. And that's with some like particularly older players like John Fox and Johnny McNichol still being there. And it's just, it's just like the turnover of players that we've had. Like we played the Stormers last November in Cape Town. Beautiful venue, by the way. Of that 15 that took the field in Cape Town last year, only three remained the same for this game that's how much of a squad turnover we've had eight of the players who played in the game last season aren't even employed by the scarlets anymore that's how much of a churn we've had in our starting 15 Mm -hmm. and that that you know speaks to the cohesion and it speaks to a reason why we're not doing very well but we had 13 14 weeks of pre-season with the coaches ahead of the season kicks off and we are easily the worst team in the league and we are probably the worst we've ever been. Now, we've the coaches that we've got at the moment are the Ulster coaches from a couple of seasons ago. So we've got Dwayne Peel, we've got Jared Payne and we've got Sean Carney. And they, they've got a point to prove for me now because it has been a pretty unacceptable start to the season. And they've got to show that they they deserve their money at the moment because they, to have that amount of time in camp with the players and to perform that badly, it's not a good look for you. So I hope they turn it around. I hope they make me look silly for saying all those things. Again, I hope my, my team performs well, but they can't carry on like this. It's only two games in, but another couple of results like that. If we don't beat Cardiff this weekend, yeah. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be pretty. Well, fingers crossed. It's it, it, like it's obviously going to be a building phase for them and for a lot of the the world sides. But I guess worryingly as well, I saw Jamie Phillips put out a, an interesting tweet about attendances as well. And we all knew that the URC attendances for world sides generally isn't the best. And then yeah, you know, to see low figures again for the beginning of this season. Um, is is not a good look. But look, hopefully it's it's just part of a process. They'll get through it. The money will be back, hopefully. Um yeah, it's just it's going to be a tough few years for the West Sides, I think. I think we all know that. Um Yeah, we got the Barbars game as well this weekend, which for those who haven't been following this saga, the um Welsh Rugby Union scheduled a game against the Barbarians for Wales in this Principality Stadium. And it clashes directly with Cardiff versus Scarlets in the URC, which is obviously a derby 
and that has not gone down well. And there's a bit of a battle now going on amongst Welsh rugby fans. Some are saying, pack the park, go and see Cardiff versus Scarlets and forget that this Wales game is even happening, which is probably sacrilege to some people. Hmm. But again, then again, I don't think the the Wales Barbarians game is going to be even close to a sellout. It might be one of the lowest attendances we've seen for a Wales game, by all accounts. So again, it's bad vibes. It's just bad vibes all around. And then the news broke today that Judgment Day, which is like our mm-hmm. our back to back double header that is normally held at the Principality. I think you guys, the Irish, do something similar at the Aviva once or twice a year. They usually play on separate days. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, in Super Rugby, they've got the Super Round as well, which I think is something quite similar. Anyway, that is normally held at the Principality Stadium. This season, it's not, because apparently the Principality is being used for another event, which isn't a great look because it's a facility owned by the WRU and it's a rugby stadium, and yet it can't be used for a rugby match because it's being used for something else, which people are assuming is a concert of some kind. Obviously, it's the biggest venue, indoor venue in Wales, and it's mostly used for, for pop and rock concerts and things. Now, if, if the WRU were open with it and said, look, this concert is going to make us however much money more than Judgment Day, and we need that money so that we can do this, then people could get, get on board with it, but they don't. They, the WRU aren't that open, and they just leave people to make up their own minds. Like I said, bad vibes. It's just bad vibes all around at the moment, really. Well, I guess we should probably move on to our next session then um, and discuss the the club and international rugby highlights uh, of this past week. Yep, just get my notes up here. Um, I'll take it maybe, like, do you want me to take the first part, like, just in terms of the... Yeah, so, like, the WXV, which I think has been a, a pretty, yeah... I think it's been a, a pretty good success um you know in terms of so we all know there are three different tiers to this so in terms of the wxv1 and the red roses continued their domination of the of the game with the 45 to 12 win over canada australia showed how competitive uh, the chasing pack is with the win over france and wales had a very difficult results with france and moving on then to the WXV2, Scotland wrapped up um, the title with the win over Japan. Uh, South Africa beat Samoa and Italy beat USA 30 points to eight. And for our Irish listeners, in terms of the WXV3, uh, Kazakhstan once again took over 100. Um, not a good look. Uh, this time uh, from Fiji, Kenya beat Colombia and Ireland beat Spain in a very close game at 15-13. So Ireland have actually won the WX3. WXV3, I should say, which I think is a very good result for Ireland. We know that women's rugby in this country is at a bit of a low ebb. Um, so it is good um, to see the girls, see the women get that that result. And you can see what it meant to the players um, in their celebrations. So hopefully this is a sign of of good things to to come. Um, what about the the Prem, mate? How, how are things over your side of the water in England yeah so Saracens managed to get their first win of the season against Gloucester it was 24 points to three and Exeter hammered sale Exeter have managed to put a lot of scores on a few teams so far if you include the the Premiership Cup as well so they hammered sale uh I think it was something 41 43 nil something like that um Bath are still top that was despite a narrow defeat 24 23 to Leicester Tigers 
And then Tafts Abroad, Jared Evans and Callum Sheedy were the battle of the no longer selected Welsh tens uh, as Harlequins just about edged past Bristol. Uh, top 14, top 14 was back as well. Full round of fixtures all played on Sunday. Uh, the way that those games are scheduled, it's quite, there's always seems to be one on. So if you've got a Via Play subscription already to watch uh, the URC, um, the, these games are played from about midday-ish to last thing, maybe nine o'clock at night. So there's always one on. So if you ever find yourself at a loose end, flick it on. It's always worth a good watch. The biggest surprise of the round was Castro shocked La Rochelle. La Rochelle mm. were the better team for about 75% of that game, but Castro came through 27 points to 24. Uh, there was also big wins for Toulon and Lyon. Poe, of all people, are currently top of the league, uh, but it's only about, no, it's actually just one point one between top of the league and fifth, which is Toulouse. And oh, they're going to get all their big World Cup stars back now. We saw um, Peter Aki and Duncan Payara and things were back for their clubs this weekend. So it's it's going to start go, getting going properly now. So it, well worth keeping an eye on. And then Welsh Prem, Evervale and Clan Dovery carried on their winning ways. They're still top two. But Newport are creeping up on them as well. Uh, Neath is still down the bottom, sadly. How about the Super Series, mate? Uh, the Harriets are... You know, looking more comfortable at the top after a win over Watsonians. Um, and then in the English Championship, uh, more tasks abroad as Jonah Holmes scored for Ealing, who beat Harpery, and Coventry beat Caldy. So, you know, I also just wanted to mention, and I got quite a bit of traction on Twitter for this, that the Rugby uh, Europe Super Cup is back uh, this weekend. It is free. I believe there are at least four games, potentially six um on this weekend and they're all free to stream on rugby europe's uh website which i'll be sharing uh on the tv guide and uh, when, when we get that bit closer to the weekend so yeah we got some more you know obscure club rugby to watch but look we, we also we're a tier two pod we want to support it and so we're going to be pushing it and i'm going to be including it in the tv guides going forward and uh, do you want to touch on that at all uh Hugh? did you follow that story I did. I did follow it. I saw you pushing it, mate. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, the the team that I'm most familiar with is Black Lion, and we're going to be talking mm. about them plenty on this podcast moving forward because they're in the Challenge Cup this year. I'm going to be looking out for the Portuguese and Spanish sides as well, and I think there's a brand new Czech side as well have have joined it this year as well. So an ex, it's an expanding tournament. Uh, shout out to our very good friend Francisco Isaac. Uh, he's going to be covering it. He's going to be all over it like a rash. Uh, telling us everything that we need to know. So if you don't follow him on Twitter already, what are you doing? Get on and follow him and you'll learn all of the things. And we also just wanted to give um, our listener, Martin Lewis, uh, a quick shout out. He did ask us a question, so we are going to address it next week. And he wants us to kind of look at the, you know, whether or not the URC could learn from NFL TV revenue, you know, in terms of revenue splitting, in terms of how that that broadcast deal works. So we're definitely going to look into that. So a special shout out because it is a fascinating story. Um, and I know I did put out, you know, that that story did we did discuss that story last week in terms of, you know, TNT Sports and the next Premiership, the Gallagher Premiership uh, broadcast right cycle. And we know that it's going to be less than the next one. So, look, it is an interesting topic that we'll certainly get into. Um, also, just want, yeah, in terms of the guide will be out Thursday and it will be on our mini show, but also 
the Welsh game is actually being shown. I don't really want to push this because of it clashed with the URC. But uh, yeah, Wales View Barbarians is going to be shown on free to our TV on S4C. But yeah, Full Guide will be out with you as always on Thursday. And I will be going through some of the big fixtures on our new mini show. I think that's it from, from me, Hugh. What about yourself? Yes, from me as well. Short and sweet. Uh, big push again on the Friday show, guys. 15 minutes. All the headlines, I think there's a full suite of Pro De Deux fixtures that are going on this Thursday night. So you'll get all of the results and all of the TAFs abroad, etc. news on that. And another big push for our Substack as well. I'm going to be dropping a story on that this week, which is going to be looking at the relative playing budgets, uh, comparing the Welsh regions to South African franchises. And you might be surprised at how little money the South African franchises managed to achieve big success off the back of. So it's really interesting stuff, guys. Um, keep your eye out for it. Great stuff. Thanks. Next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.